Thank you. Hayes, team, the Potassics are here today. Good to see you guys. And welcome. We're glad you're here. How you doing? How are you doing? Good. Look, man, you heard a ton of Thanksgiving. Man, we could have just done that the entire service. Uh, I am so glad to continue to be able to worship with you today. Thank you, Hayes. Uh, Really glad I was able to, to actually be out last week. Uh, got to hear Dave's sermon. He did a fantastic job for us. I was actually out in a, a campground in Kentucky uh, with another youth group doing a fall retreat for them. Got to see uh, multiple students come to faith in Christ, uh, which was awesome. And so I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be able to go out and preach in some different places too. Uh, but man, I really enjoyed it. I raced back so that we could have Thanksgiving feast. And so many of you guys were here. It was amazing. We packed this room out. Uh, and had a big family meal, and, and what an incredible picture of the church, uh, that we truly are a faith family, and that we get to celebrate and give thanks together just like we did uh, a moment ago, and I hope that you'll take that spirit into all of the other Thanksgiving celebrations uh, that we'll be having all throughout this week, whether you're staying here, whether you're traveling, whether you're already traveling. Uh, man, I hope that you'll be safe, and we'll continue to take that spirit of Thanksgiving forward. Uh, but now grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And as Hayes said, uh, we're wrapping up our series on prayer called Draw Near. Uh, we've been in this series for almost three months. Uh, it's hard to think about that. Maybe it's gone fast or slow for you, but we will be starting Advent next week. But as we come to the end of this series, it's kind of an odd thing to end. Uh, we really don't want to come to the end of prayer. This is one of those things we want to continue to learn about, continue to grow in. And so while we're closing out the series, we're certainly not closing out our emphasis on prayer. We want to continue to grow in our prayer life, to continue to grow as a praying church. But as we come to the end of the series, I hope that you'll take some time to really think about what you've learned. What has the Spirit taught you? How have you grown? How have you been challenged? What, what new types of prayer have you been kind of growing in? What have you learned about prayer or about the Father through this process? This is a time of reflection as we kind of round out the series to say, okay, Father, what, what in this season have you been trying to teach me? And I hope that you'll grab onto those things and carry them forward into even new series that we'll be doing into next year. But as we round out the series, I thought it might be important to do one final lesson uh, on continual prayer. Uh, we've learned a lot about different types of prayers, different ways of prayers, different aspects of prayer. But as a final challenge and encouragement for us, uh, the scripture tells us repeatedly that prayer ought to be continual, something that we are constantly doing whether we're in a series on it or not. Let me show you a couple different verses. Uh, this first one is in Thessalonians. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the end of the letter of 1 Thessalonians, and Paul kind of has a pattern. When he rounds out a letter, he ends up kind of rapid fire, just throwing out a bunch of encouragements, admonitions, things to do. And so here he is, he's given us a lot, but he, look at verse 17, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that we would pray continually. Uh, look at another one. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Different letter, same pattern. We're at the end of Romans, and he's doing it again. He throws out just a bunch of different things, and one of those is, is hey, be constant 
In prayer, prayer ought to be something that we are continually doing. Be constant in prayer. But that brings us to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And so hopefully you've got a copy of God's word there. uh, And you can see that in front of you. And listen to what it says here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're just looking at one verse here, but we find ourselves in the same kind of situation. We're in Ephesians 6. It's the last few verses of Ephesians. He's wrapping up the letter, and more specifically, he's wrapping up this whole teaching on spiritual warfare. If you were with us earlier this year, we did another whole series on spiritual warfare, reminding us that that is where we live. We live in a state of constant spiritual warfare. And so he gives us the armor of of the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the belt of uh, of truth and more, the shield of faith, feet uh, fitted with the readiness uh, to share the gospel. But then he just drops the metaphor and says, but here's how you fight. It's through prayer. Prayer is necessary. The battle is continual. Therefore, prayer ought to be continual. And he, he shows us that in a couple of different, uh, couple of different ways, even in just this one verse. There's two words that get repeated multiple times in this one single verse. The first one is all. Did you catch that? He says all a lot. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He just keeps uh, almost like a drumbeat, keep throwing this word out. And it's in the Greek. He says it four different times. Uh, The implication is, is that nothing is left out. When it comes to this constant prayer, everything is included. There are no exceptions. This isn't for just one series out of many or for one time of the year or for one part of our life. He says, no, all, 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 all. This is all encompassing. This prayer ought to permeate everything about our lives. And so he just keeps kind of throwing that word out again and again. The other word that it is repeated is the word prayer. Now, he actually uses two different words for prayer. He uses prayer and supplication. Uh, The word for prayer here is kind of like the general catch-all term for prayer. Uh, The word for supplication is a more technical term. Uh, It means a request, uh, specifically when you have a need, you're making a need known to somebody. So kind of more specific word for prayer. But both words mean prayer. He also could have said intercession at the end, but it still means prayer. So he says prayer twice, supplication twice. If you translate all of those things as prayer, here's basically what the verse says. With all prayer and praying, pray and pray for the saints. That's the verse. With all prayer and praying, pray and pray for everybody. That's, that's the whole verse. He just keeps saying it again and again. So these two words he kind of uses as a drumbeat to say you ought to be in constant prayer. You ought to be in continual prayer. And as we wrap up this series, that's the admonition across multiple books of Scripture. He's saying, listen, we ought to be living in continual, constant, 24-7 prayer. And my question for us this morning is, is, how does that strike you? Like, how does it strike you when you hear that we should be praying continually? Because I think for most of us, when we hear that, we kind of go, okay, okay, what are we talking about here? Like, what does that mean? Like, I get it. I'm okay with the concept. Uh, I approve of the concept. Uh, But what would that actually look like in real life? 
Because when you finally start trying to put that into practice, things get weird in a hurry, right? Like how would you pray 24-7? How would you pray at all times? What would your life even look like? You have a job. You have a family. You have hobbies. You have interests. You have football. You have things. How in the world are you going to do that? And then you start getting real nervous. You're doing, there's only one group of people who prays 24-7. It's the monks. That's it. And you're right. And guys, guess what? We actually have monk robes out here at Connection Point. You're going to be able to leave out here today. I made sure to get ahead of the supply crunch. You can pick one of those up. We're all going monkish from here on out. So you're going, is he serious? No, I'm not. Because that's, that's not what is on offer here. P.S. People used to actually think that. In medieval history, uh, when people thought about society, they would think about things in in different terms. Uh, All of society was kind of segmented out. And so the monks, it was their job to pray for all of society, the workers, everybody else, the laborers. It was their job to kind of make everything for society. And then the king and the military, it was their job to protect the society. And everybody just did their job, but it was the monk's job to pray. This is why kings would build monasteries. This is why they would fund monasteries. This is why they would maintain monasteries. It's because they needed those guys praying for them. It wasn't the king's job to pray. That was the monk's job. It was their job. And so they would spend all day, heads down, praying. That was their job. And so we think, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like me. Maybe Adam, that's you or, or somebody else or the actual monks. But, but how would I do that? But here in all of these books, this command is for us. And so what does that look like? Is that what God wants? And and the answer is no. In all things, Jesus is our model. What do you see in the life of Jesus Christ? In the life of Jesus Christ, you see somebody in constant communion with his father. Now, there were times when he would go off into the wilderness or he would stay up all night in prayer, but these were isolated incidents. What you also saw was that Jesus was actively engaged in the world. He was busy. He had relationships. He had friendships, he did stuff, he traveled places, he had a life. But do you honestly think that there are moments where Jesus is not in communion with his father? He's not in constant communion with his father? No, he's praying continually. And so what would it look like for us to live that kind of a life? For us to have the kind of prayer life in the Lord that even when we're going about our daily life, even when we're going about all the things that we have to do in this world, that we would have a real, constant, continual prayer life. Is that even possible? And if so, would we actually want it? Is that possible? And if so, would we actually want it? And that's a legitimate question. So let's talk about that if it's actually possible. There's two reasons why we know it is possible. It's possible to have a consistent and continual prayer life with the Lord. Why? Because God is present everywhere. Because God is present everywhere. Now that's not a shocking theological point for you, right? If I asked most of us in this room, do you believe that God is everywhere? We would say yes. We are aware of uh, of that truth, but we don't really experience that truth all that much. We believe it, but we don't engage with it. It's kind of like breathing. We're all breathing right now. We breathe 24-7, but until I mentioned it two seconds ago, you hadn't thought about it today, had you? We don't think about breathing, even though it's constant in our lives. Until somebody, 
gives a heavy sigh or they cough or, or, or maybe you feel your, your breathing as labored until there's an anomaly, we don't even think about, or I cough, we, we don't even think about it. We just go through our day and yet we're constantly breathing. For some of us, the presence of God is like that. We believe it. We don't disbelieve it. We just don't engage with it. We don't find ourselves in a place where we're, we're constantly thinking about the presence of the Lord. But let this idea sink in for a second. God is everywhere. He is with you 24-7. Let the implications of that sink in. Here's what that means. There has never been or will ever be a moment in your life when you will ever be alone. You get the problem now. There will never be, nor has there ever been a moment in your life that you have ever been truly alone. And that's when we start feeling uncomfortable because we kind of want to be alone sometimes, don't we? We want to have some time to ourselves, don't we? And the idea that God is present everywhere, that I could talk to him at all times, it can actually begin to mess with us. I mentioned this at different points throughout the years, but my second favorite book of all time uh, is a book called Paralandra by C.S. Lewis. It's a science fiction book in the space trilogy. Uh, you probably won't like it, but I do. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a made-up story where C.S. Lewis posits, what would it be like if you go to another planet and God started over with a new Adam and Eve, but they hadn't fallen yet? And you had an opportunity to go and try to prevent their fall. To try to, try, to, try to encourage Adam and Eve not to give in to the temptation. What would that be like? So the main character gets this. He goes to this other planet. He's trying his best to, to try to prevent these people from giving in to the temptations of the enemy. But it's intense. It's just, it's really intense work. And so at some point, he finally just calls a break. He goes, hey, can we take a break? We're going to take a break. And so he goes off by himself. And, and he, he basically describes what, in his world, he would describe as a, a cigarette moment. Now, he's writing in the 1940s, uh, and I think you probably, whether you smoke or not, you can relate where he just kind of wants to go outside, smoke a cigarette, run his fingers through his hair, and just go, <sighs> okay. He just wants a moment to himself. You ever had that moment where you just wanted people to stop talking to you and just wanted to, to go and have a, a break? Where the, the kids aren't yelling at you anymore, and, and the people at work have stopped bothering you? And all the things have gone on. And you, you finally just stop. Or maybe you should go outside for a couple of minutes where you can just go. <sighs> you just want a moment to yourself. The smoking kind of feels kind of anachronistic from the 1940s. But, but that feeling we understand. Well, the married character in Paralandra goes out to have this moment. And the moment he tries, he doesn't have a cigarette. But, but the moment he tries to do this, he feels suffocated. As if the air has been sucked out of his life. And he doesn't understand until he realizes what he's asking for is a moment away from God. Because he didn't want to be with anybody. But in that world, there is no sin. In that world, God's presence is everywhere. To ask to be outside of the presence of God is literally to ask to be suffocated. And so until he gets to a point where he can give in to go, oh, no, wait, God is here. He's always going to be here. I actually want him here. <sighs> Only then can he breathe freely. For many of us, when we come to grips with the fact that God is always here, that may be uncomfortable for you. That doesn't just happen in science fiction stories. 
That happens in Scripture. And it may happen for you too. Let me show you a passage in Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a a famous psalm. Uh, There's lines out of Psalm 139 that even if you did not know it, come from this psalm. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's Psalm 139. If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. That's Psalm 139. But look at what the psalmist says here. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Now, if you're reading that, you might read that and go, oh, this is great. This is a, a wonderful psalm about the presence of God and that he's with me here 24-7, that he is in, enjoying this. But there are a few things in the Hebrew that point us in a different direction. You see, the psalmist isn't actually happy as he starts this psalm about the presence of God. Look at verse five. It says, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. The word for hand here in the Hebrew is not the word for the hand as if he puts a hand on my shoulder. It's the word for palm. And so the word really means is you put your palm on me. So the picture is, is that God has kind of cupped his hand over the psalmist. Almost like you cup your hand over a bug. Think about finding a roly-poly and just kind of, just kind of putting your hand over that bug and, going, and you got him, Right? He's just gonna bounce off your fingers, but you got him. Well, that's not a happy thing. We probably should have been tipped off by that word, hem me in. You hem me in behind and before. Who likes to be hemmed in? Oh, I love it. I love it when people hem me in. I love it when people tell me what to do and what I can and can't do and tell me exactly where to go and where I can't go. I love it. Said no one ever. You hem me in behind and before. And then verse six, it says such knowledge is too wonderful for me. That's, a, that's another tricky one. Uh, when we hear the word wonderful, that's a positive adjective. In English, wonderful is almost exclusively a positive term. Man, that is wonderful news. That is wonderful. But the Hebrew word here is not technically positive. The word doesn't mean joyous. The word means beyond me. It means too much. I don't get it. Think quantum physics. Quantum physics in Hebrew would be wonderful. That's beyond me. I I don't get it. I don't understand it. It is too much. It is too big. And when you and I encounter things that are too much for us that we don't control, that typically scares us. We typically get scared about things we can't control or that we don't understand. When he says, this knowledge is too wonderful for me, he says, God is with me everywhere. You know everything about me and I don't get to control you or understand and that freaks me out. And it might you too. Because I think for some of us, we're okay to interact with God on our own terms. We're okay to interact with God some of the time, but God actually wants to interact with us all of the time. And for some of us, that might be uncomfortable. Now, he'll walk through the rest of the psalm, but look at where it ends. Let me read you the last two verses of the psalm here. Verses 23 and 24 say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Over the course of the psalm, he changes his tune. He begins to wrestle with this fact and finally comes to a place where he says, actually, this is a good thing. 
Verse one says, you have searched me, you have known me. Verse 23 says, search me, know me. He's inviting the presence of God in his life. He is entering into an active engagement with the presence of God in his life. And if you and I are going to pray continually, we have to do the same thing. We have to actively engage the Lord, not to resent it or to run from it or to try to have our own distinct life apart from the Lord, but instead recognize, no, I can pray continually because God is continually with me and that is a good thing. If you still feel that uncomfortability, you might say, well, Adam, that doesn't feel good to me. Well, the way you feel about that presence is going to be determined by who this God actually is. Who is this God who hymns you in behind and before? Who is this God who knows everything about you? Because if your God is some giant eye of Sauron who glares at you from heaven, searching out all the evil things you've done and all the different ways you don't measure up and all the ways you just haven't done what is right and you haven't gotten exactly what you should have done, if he's always there to just kind of put his thumb on you, well, then no wonder we don't want to hang out with him. No wonder I wouldn't be happy about his presence. But what have you learned about the heart of the Father over the course of this series? What have you learned about the heart of this heavenly Father, this perfect, righteous Father, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows you, who loves you, who chases you, who even when we run away from him, he runs towards us. He lays aside his glory and gives his life for us. Who offers us salvation by grace. This is the God who takes care of us. When you know the heart of the Father, when you know exactly who this God is, it's a whole lot easier to welcome his presence everywhere in your life. Have you wrestled with the presence of God and who this God is who loves you. And so we can have this relationship because we have God is present everywhere, but here's the second reason, because we have access at all times. We have access at all times. You might say, all right, Adam, I get it. I can talk to the God. I can talk to God 24-7. Does he really want to talk to me? Because look, Adam, it's great we're in, we're in here, man. We did the whole Thanksgiving thing a moment ago, man. We sing worship songs. I get it that God would want to talk to me now or when I'm in doing my quiet time. Like I got my Bible open and we're praying and I want to talk to him. I get that he might want to hear me. Then I'm just not convinced he really wants to talk to me at other times. Because Adam, I know we all look really good in the room here, but you didn't hear the conversation in the car before we got here. And Adam, I know, I know we're all kind of nice here. We smile and we say nice things. And sadly, Adam, that's just not how I talk when I'm at work during the week. And this isn't what my family life is like when I'm at home. And this is not what I experience. And sometimes I mess it up. And sometimes I don't do the right thing. And sometimes I actually choose that. And I just don't know if God wants to talk to me then. I don't know if I want to talk to him and so the idea of talking to him 24-7, of being constant in prayer, man, I just don't know if I want that or he wants that. Is that really what he wants? And the answer is yes. Do you know why? Because he has given you access to God at all times. Look at Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. 
For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How do you know that you can have a continual relationship with the Lord? Because you have a high priest. Jesus Christ, even right now, is interceding for us and he understands us. He's lived in this world. He understands the temptations and though he did not give in to them, he understands the pressures. So much so that he didn't demand that we get it right. He says, no, I'll give my life for you and by grace we are saved. Not by works so that no one can boast. By grace we are saved. We get mercy from the Lord. So how come I get to go talk to God whenever I want? Because at this moment, you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And that is not excluded for other people. You see, generally, we don't have this in our brains as our theology, but what our heart will say is this, that other people get more access to God than I do. That other people get more access to God than I do. You say, Adam, you get more access to God than I do because you're the preacher. You preach sermons. And so I bet God listens to you more than he listens to me. Not true. Do you realize that I don't have any more access to the Father than you? I have the exact same access to the Father as you. Do you realize that you have the exact same access to the Father as Billy Graham did? Let that sink in. You have the exact same access to the Heavenly Father as Billy Graham did. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever said this in your life. You ever had a problem that you needed to get fixed? You had to take care of something and you're talking with people going, man, I don't know what we're gonna do. And finally you remember, hey, I can call in a favor and you say this. Hey, listen, I know this is tough, but I know a guy. Uh, Let me call somebody and see if I can work this out. And because you do know a guy, you call somebody and you pull some strings and you pull a favor and you get it taken care of. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen you people do that, right? Where there's a problem and you're going, yeah, but I know a guy, let me make a call. And because you know somebody, you make a call and maybe it's to get the car fixed or get a passport or get this thing. You say, I know a guy. And you call and they take care of it. And what that person does is that they kind of put you at the front of the line. They skip you over the natural progression of things and they put you up front. Here's the thing we all need to understand. When it comes to prayer, you know a guy. You know a guy. His name is Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ does every time you pray? He puts you at the front of the line. Every single time you pray, you got a great high priest who gave his life for you and he puts you at the front of the line and says, you, not other people, you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. How can you have this 24-7? Because you know the one who gave his life for you and in mercy, not because you earned it or deserved it or earned a favor, but simply because God is gracious, he says, you can always come and talk to me. So much so, did you notice what it says in verse 618? He says, pray pray at all times in the spirit. We We did a whole sermon on this a few weeks ago. He put his Holy Spirit in you, in you so that you can have this access 24-7. He is inviting you into it. He wants this. And he says, it doesn't matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. You've done a lot of great things or not. You can always come to the Lord. Brother Lawrence, the, 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 the monk, the dishwasher to the monks 500 years ago, figured this out. 
he did his whole life and tried to live in the presence of God. But one of the things he would always say is, when I sin, I don't wait for an opportune time to pray. I don't wait until the monks are praying. I don't wait until Sunday. Whenever he would sin, he would immediately pray and say, God, this is who I am without you. You see that? That's what I do when I don't pray. That's what I do when I don't rely on you. You got to help me. This is who I am. He didn't wait. Why? Because he was constantly in the presence of God. He had constant access before the Lord. And so do you. No matter who you are, where you've been, if you're a child of God, you have that access right now before the Father. And so he is inviting us into a prayer life that isn't just for certain times or places, but is at all times. Look at this quote by Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray, uh, South African missionary about 150, 200 years ago. In his book, With Christ in the School of Prayer, he says this. This is a lesson of deep importance. How much our Christianity suffers from being confined to certain places and times and places. A man who seeks to pray earnestly only in the church or in the prayer closet spends a greater part of his time in a spirit entirely at variance with that in which he prayed. His worship was the work of a fixed place or hour, not of his whole being. God is a spirit, and what he is, he is always and in truth. Our worship must be the same. It must be the spirit of our life. That's the goal of prayer. That prayer would become the spirit of our life. That prayer would just be something we live in. Constant communion with the Lord in all of our day-to-day lives and all the things that we do, it would become the spirit of our lives. Are we growing in that? Now, look, I'm not, I'm not there yet. So don't think like I've, I've gotten this figured out. Andrew Murray worked on this a ton. Man, it took Brother Lawrence decades of working on this. But that's the goal, is that we would live in this constant communion with the Lord. And so let me offer you just a few different ways that we can do that. A few ways that we can develop a continual prayer life. The first is this, pray often. Pray often. You've heard many times before, we want you to pray. Pray at a quiet time. Pray with your family, but pray at certain times in your life. You you understand that, but just like that quote said, the vast majority of our life, though, is not going to be spent in a quiet time. It's going to be spent driving or playing or working or Zooming or, I don't know, parenting, cleaning, preparing, whatever it might be working, whatever it might be, the majority of our life is there. But you can't always have your head down to pray with your Bible open. It doesn't matter. Sometimes prayers are long, but you can always also do short prayers. Did you know that? You can do small, super quick prayers. I don't remember where I first heard the term flash prayers, but I like it. You can do flash prayers. Prayers that you can, you can just throw up to the Lord. That, 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 that in the space of a breath, you can just throw up to the Lord. It's just a little flash prayer. You don't have to bow your head. Don't have to close your eyes. Just a little flash prayer. Throughout Christian history, different people have called these different names. Uh, one of the names is breath prayers. Uh, a prayer that you can say in the span of a breath. The most famous of these is the Jesus prayer. I'm going to put it up on the screen. You've probably heard this before. The Jesus prayer is this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can say that in a single breath. You really can, even without talking as fast as I do. You can just say it in a breath. 
This was first formulated in this manner in about the 6th century. It had a revival in the 14th century and then again in the 19th century. We're in the 21st if you're keeping count. Uh, but this throughout history people have used of saying, hey, you can just say this throughout the day. And it's a way of focusing your heart on the Lord while you're driving, walking into a meeting, walking out of a meeting, doing your life, cooking Thanksgiving dinner. You can just say that prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But that's not the only one. You can make up your own. How about this? Lord, show me your glory. That was Moses' prayer. Say that. It takes me, what, half a second to pray that? Lord, show me your glory. What about this one? God, show me where you're working. God, show me where you're working. What would happen if you prayed that 20 times a day while you're at work? God, show me where you're working. Not in the P&Ls, where the God of the universe is working as you are doing your job, as you're in a Zoom meeting, as you're going to work. God, show me where you're working. You might be shocked when you begin to pray these little flash prayers, these little short prayers, day in and day out. You just begin to throw them out. Again, you don't have to bow your head, close your eyes, say, I'm going to pray for you. But you just pray. They can't stop you. It's always weird about people taking prayer out of schools. You realize that they can't stop us, right? You realize that nobody can stop us from praying? Nobody can stop our kids from praying. And if we're relying on the secular government to teach our kids to pray, we have an issue. How about we just pray? They can't stop me from praying about them. They can't stop me from praying for teachers. They can't stop me from praying for students. I can pray that a thousand times a day. Cannot stop me. <laughs> or you! What happened if we just prayed? All day long, little flash prayers. You're just throwing them up. God, can you remind me I'm loved? God, remind me I'm loved. Remind me I'm loved. Show me where you're working. Show me your glory. God, I lift up this person. Flash prayers. What would happen if we didn't just restrict our prayers to our quiet time? We begin to pray all day long. That's the first one, pray often. Here's the second thing. Use different prayers. Use different prayers. In this passage, it says all prayer and supplication. We get two different words for prayer. There's more in scripture. You've got petition. You get intercession. You got confession. Uh, there, there's more. There's not just one type of prayer. There's lots of different types of prayer. Richard Foster, who's the author of Celebration of Discipline, one of my favorite books, uh, wrote another book on prayer. In that book, he outlines 21 different types of prayer. 21! 21 different ways of praying. 21 different types of prayer. Some of us, when we hear about praying continually, we just instantly get bored. He said, Adam, I can't do anything for longer than... 10 minutes, much less 10 hours, much less 24. And if I had to do the same thing all day long, every day, that would be so boring. And you're right. But that's not what he's asking. He says, look, there's lots of different ways to pray. What about just listening to the Lord? What about confession? What about intercession? What about praying? all these different things? Making a request known for God. What about just seeing the Lord out in nature? What about praying while you're walking instead of just sitting down? There's all kinds of different ways to pray. If you find yourself in a prayer rut, how about praying some different things? Don't just do what you've always done. Pray differently. Open things up. There's a world of prayer here. Here's the third thing. Stay open to the Spirit. Stay open to the Spirit. Again, look what he says in verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit. The goal here is not to rack up more minutes in prayer. The goal here is not simply to pray for more time. That, that doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm engaging the Father. 
I am engaging the Lord through his Holy Spirit. And so stay open to the Spirit. Sometimes he's going to talk to you in your quiet time. Sometimes he's going to wait until you're in your car. You ever had that happen? Sometimes he's going to talk to you right then. And then sometimes you're going to have a conversation with somebody else. And the Lord's going to click it all together. And you go, oh, there it is. Or you read a verse here. You read a verse here. You read a verse here. Hey, you're not going to see that unless you stay open to the Spirit. Spirit might speak at any time. Some ways are clearer than others. But man, the Spirit is speaking. Are we open or do we limit the times we're listening to a quiet time or a worship service or only when I bow my head to pray? What happens if I stay open to the Spirit? I mean, just stay open. Spend time with Him. Recognize that He's there and see what He might do. What would happen if we stayed open to the Spirit? Here's the fourth thing. Pray for others. Pray for others. Verse 18. Make supplication for all the saints. Verse 19 says, and also for me. Paul says, pray for me. And don't just stop with me. Pray for everybody. Pray for all your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't know what to pray for, pray for those around you. An old, old friend named Ronnie Brock used to say this. He said, we are never more like Jesus Christ than when we're praying for other people. Never more like other people. Never more like Jesus Christ than when we're praying for other people. So let's pray for them. Again, they can't stop you. How would that change your Walmart experience if you just started praying for the people that you saw? Some of you are scared of those people. Why don't you just pray for them instead? They're gonna need that prayer on Black Friday. That's coming up. I will be one of them. All right? Pray for those people. Lord, bring somebody to mind. Pray for them. Lord, brings family to mind. Pray for them. You're gonna be sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner table. Not all your family will be there. Who's not there? Pray for them. What would happen if you were just constantly lifting up other people in prayer? And look, by this point in the series, I hope you actually believe that prayer matters. That the God of the universe means it when he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. This is not just a navel gazing exercise. God is moving in the world. A spiritual battle is afoot. Pray for people and see what God will do. I'm so thankful to everybody who got to come to our prayer nights the past three Wednesdays. And look, I know not all of you could come. I even had to miss this last Wednesday. I got sick on Wednesday. I knew you couldn't all come. But guess what? Hey, we had a ton of people who just sat and prayed for each other, for our area, for our church. I am begging God to continue to make us a praying congregation. That he would foster just a passion for prayer in us. What can happen if we all could not stop praying 24-7? Can you imagine? That's what's on offer for us. And fifth, and finally, keep growing. Just keep growing. Remember that word, all? All prayer, all supplication at all times. I have a fear that for many of us, we're just okay with enough. We say, that's enough prayer. That's enough. That's enough, Jesus. That's enough spiritual. That's enough. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it, but that's enough. Jesus does not settle for enough. He wants all. He wants all of you. And how do you know? Because he gave all of himself. He didn't hold anything back. He gave us all of himself and is inviting us deeper into him. No matter who you are or how long you've been walking with Christ, what would happen if we gave everything and said, God, at all places, at all times, I want to continually pray. So I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on back up, if you will.
I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes as we're going to head into some worship. And Hayes, we're doing both. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk too long and not fast enough. We're going to go a couple minutes late in the service. Buckle up. You have a 30-minute window in between services. You're not going to die. Here's why. Huh? I'm not. Well, here's the thing. Oh, you know they were thinking it. All right, so look. We're honest here, people. Here's why. Hey, guys, I don't want to be run by a clock. I want to be run by the Spirit. And we got the time. It's precious. We're all about to scatter to the four corners. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for the gospel. What thing do we need more than anything than to pray? Amen. And so we're going to spend a few minutes, not like an hour, but we're going to spend a couple more minutes in prayer. Maybe the Lord brings something to mind for you. We got places here up to pray at the altar. You, you just want to come in and pray for your family. You want to pray for this church. You want to pray for our nation. You want to pray for a, a, a need that's, that's burdening your heart. You want to pray for yourself. I'll pray with you. Let's pray. He has given us this access. He is inviting us into it, not just now, but forever. It doesn't matter, though, if we don't enter in. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we we begin to worship Heavenly Father. Help us. Help us. We do, we get busy. And I get distracted. And Lord, we, we find other things to be more important than just engaging with you when you're the only thing that matters. And so Lord, draw us deeper in. You're already drawing near to us. We, we choose to draw near to you too. And I pray for every single person here, no matter where they are in their, their walk of faith, Lord, if they don't know you, that you would draw them to salvation. If they are far from you, you would draw them close through confession and that they would experience cleansing forgiveness in you. For those who are, Father, take them further up and further in. Take them closer to you than they've ever been before. God, move in us in this particular moment and we would come to know you better. And so, Lord, we lift up these songs to you. We choose to pray to you in our seats, standing, sitting, kneeling. We choose to pray with all that we are to you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.